Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a former gymnast and currently an Australian diver and keynote speaker. It's Declan Stacy. How are you doing today, Declan? G'day, Alex. How are you going? Uh, from all the way down in, in Sydney, Australia. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to learn more about your Rise to the Challenge. What we do with all of our guests is we go straight to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Cool. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. Born and raised in uh, in Sydney, Australia, uh, was uh, was around about seven years old. I think six or seven when the Sydney 2000 Olympics was on. So obviously, being in the city that I was in, there was a lot of hype going on there. And I think I watched the gymnastics on TV uh, at that time. And then I was the youngest of three of uh, of three kids, uh, an older brother and an older sister, and they both really wanted to get into gymnastics. And I didn't really know what gymnastics was, to be completely honest. I um, I sort of just strolled through the doors because my brother and sister wanted to do it. And, um, and, and I guess the rest was history. I, I went to a club, uh, trained there for about a year, not really knowing what I was doing, doing level one, level two. Uh, and then I think they saw a little bit of talent in me and they, they sent me off to the, the high performance program that we had in, uh, in Sydney there. And then, yeah, started, started developing this elite athlete uh, training regime from a pretty young age. When you were watching the Olympics, was there any athlete that stood out to you? Like you kind of were like, ooh, I want to be like them one day? De uh, definitely Alexei Nemel, who was the, he, he's a Russian uh, all-around champion at that Olympic game. So he was phenomenal on, on all apparatus. But at the time, I didn't really know his name. I just watched him and obviously he was exceptional. And then, uh, and then later on, I sort of realized, oh, that was, that was actually Alexei Nemov, and, and that's who I wanted to be like. So de definitely very inspiring. And it shows, I guess, the power that having an Olympic Games or hosting an Olympic Games in the city that you live in, or even the country that you live in, uh, it, it generates a lot of excitement for, for a lot of people. How much influence did your siblings have to get into gymnastics? Did it take a couple years or months to kind of get you confident in doing it? Uh, not really, to be honest, because I, I don't have any prior recollection of asking my parents, you know, to put me into gymnastics. I think my, I think my sister just got straight into it and then my brother wanted to follow along and being the youngest of three, I just sort of got dragged into the doors and uh, funny that you asked that because when I walked into gymnastics, my preconceived idea of what gymnastics was, was actually weightlifting. So I, I'd obviously watched gymnastics and weightlifting at the Olympics. And I thought the term gymnastics meant weightlifting. Like that's what I saw weightlifting as. Um, so that just shows how little I knew uh, about what I was getting into. And then when the door was open, when I was like six or seven, uh, I walked into this gym and it was like a play equipment of like all these different cool things. And I just thought, man, this is, this is great. And then, yeah, went from there, I guess. Were you happy it wasn't like weightlifting at all? Like more <laughs> fun activities? It just shows I had no idea what was going on. I was just that, that kid that was just following the, following the, the brother and sister. But um, yeah, I think so. I think the, the idea of the flipping, the jumping, the, the twisting, the, uh, the parallel bars, the hard bar, all the different elements was, um, was pretty fun for me. And believe it or not, I went into hospital about seven times before I hit the age of three years old. Um, so I fractured my skull. Uh, from this ear all the way to this ear, the back of my head. Uh, and I, I, I was balancing on the couch and I went through a window and, and had stitches all in my chin. And, uh, and I had many, many 
different things. And I think my parents knew that I was a little bit crazy. So I think the gymnastics was going to help me, you know, do, do that, that monkey like stuff in a, in a safe environment. Were you able to like accomplish all the skill sets at a young age, like doing all those flips and stuff, or did it take a while to get better at it? I think I had some natural talent at a young age. Um, yeah, I think, uh, so I got, I was the level one state champion, which for me was like, oh, I've just conquered the whole world, you know, <laughs> uh, in my little state in, in New South Wales in Sydney. But, uh, but yeah, so I guess I started off and I had, they saw that I had a little bit of talent and then they, and then they said, okay, you know, we, we want to send you to the high performance program. And I think that's where I met up with a whole bunch of kids that were equally as talented as I, we're in the same group and now we're training in this, elite like environment where we're doing sort of, I don't know, uh, I think we were doing four or five days a week, uh, X amount of hours a day at that point. And, uh, and we were all sort of, you know, competing against each other. So I think that's probably where the, the challenges started setting in, you know, I wasn't the top dog at my little club anymore. I, I was now, I guess, a smaller fish in a bigger pond. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. Were you able to have like a normal childhood or was gymnastics one of those things that kind of took over your life in a way? Yeah, I think gymnastics definitely took over my life. Um, from a very young age, I was training a lot of hours and I, I, I talk about this a lot in my motivational speaking and when I'm talking about mental health and different things, I talk about how gymnastics became my identity. It became who I was and, 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 my whole identity was consumed in how good I was at gymnastics. And even though that may not have been the reality, it was the reality to me, you know, how people viewed me was, was that I was this gymnastics kid that was going to the Olympic games. And, and I, I didn't realize until later on in life that, uh, you know, when you start getting injuries and you start struggling a little bit, that that's actually not, that's not necessarily that beneficial to have, you know, that's not, that's not awesome to have this monkey on your back where, um, your whole, you know, your whole identity, who you are is consumed in this title. So, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about this later on, but, but yeah, that's when I started to, to, uh, to, to get rid of that. But, but to answer your question, gymnastics was very much who I was and what I did. And, and it made me special in a sense. What was that dream job that you're running? Was it always going to be a professional athlete? <laughs> Believe it or not, I, um, I actually really wanted to be an actor from a very young age. I was, this, as I mentioned, you know, you can, you can probably picture this crazy kid, uh, loved running around, you know, was, uh, had a lot of personality and energy and, uh, you know, would watch The Mask and Jim Carrey movies like that. And I think from a young age, I remember saying to my dad, I think I was about five or six, and I said, Dad, I want to be an actor. And he looked at me and he said, Nate, that's not a good industry to get into. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, drugs and, and bad stuff and, and all these different things, women in that industry. And from very, he told me that from a young age and I straight away, I said, okay. <laughs> so I never really thought about it again, um, which is, which is funny, isn't it? But I guess it doesn't really matter in a sense because uh, being an athlete did take over and, and it, and it's progressed me to where I am now. Did you continue being an athlete or did you end up going to college or university at all? Yeah, so I have basically pursued my athletic career as my number one thing 
throughout my whole life pretty much. There was a, a point in my life where I finished high school and I moved down to Melbourne to pursue my gymnastics. And it was in that time where I was paying for rent and I was, you know, doing different things. So I had to work a lot. So it was really hard to, to balance those things out. Um, so yeah, now I'm at a point where I have a few ideas about who I want to be and what I want to do. Uh, I love people. I want to help people. Uh, I, I love doing these speaking gigs and, and, uh, and sharing my journey and my story and things like that. But, um, but I think for me is like, you know, my focus is on 2020, uh, 2021, Tokyo 2021 and, uh, you know, being an athlete and, and getting through that and then getting into the next phase of my life as well. So haven't particularly gone out of my way to study too much, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's been my journey. During your gymnastics career, what was the most challenging thing you had to overcome? Uh, growing up in gymnastics, I had a lot of injuries. So I had a, especially a lot of growth plate injuries and, and growing injuries, uh, overuse injuries that I had. So I had multiple wrist injuries. Um, I had, you know, ankle injuries. I had Severs disease in my, in my heel um, as I was growing. Uh, yeah, I had many, many injuries. And then even uh, moving to Melbourne, actually, when I made that decision, I wanted to make that leap and, and, and transition and move out of home, move to a different city in Melbourne and pursue my gymnastics because that's where there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people in the national team there. And I really wanted to, to keep pursuing my gymnastics. And it was actually in that time period where I had two massive accident injuries. Uh, I tore my lateral meniscus in my left knee and I had to have surgery for that. And then the year after I came back and I fought back and I was focused and, and I was getting ready to trial for the 2014 Commonwealth Games, which Commonwealth Games probably isn't a big deal to you guys, but for us here in Australia, it's, it's, it's pretty big. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I was getting ready to trial. I had come back from that injury and then I fractured my foot in five places oh. in, the, in another training accident. So I had back-to-back -back, and, and I obviously had to have surgery for that. So I had back-to-back -back injuries, surgeries um, those years and nothing was working out for me and I was just yeah I was really down in the dumps about that and I was really hard um and prior to that even being in Sydney and growing up I had lots of injuries that I had to overcome so I was sort of always up there uh in my age group but there was definitely lots of challenges that I had to overcome and and you know missing out on nationals missing out of international events missing out on different competitions but I think at the end of the day looking back on everything it, it taught me that winning doesn't come easy and it taught me that in order to be successful you have to overcome challenges and you have to you have to be resilient you have to move through that and i think it's taught me a lot of really really important life lessons that has helped me be where i am today i think a lot of people can learn from that where if things are given to them they don't learn how to work hard for it and i think we all can relate where we have to work hard to get to where we are today i think for me in the business world, I have to kind of prove people wrong. Like I can do yeah. something. And you're talking about how to get to the national team or going to the tournament championships. You had to work hard. Did you ever have a time where you're like, I don't think I want to do this anymore because you were getting injured. And I think a lot of athletes kind of, it scares them like, oh, I don't want to get re-injured again and then be out for a long period. Yeah. Yeah. No, great question. 
Uh, definitely at about 16 years old, I was, um, I was struggling with my motivation. Uh, I'd always been really motivated, always been really disciplined growing up and, you know, from the age of nine, 10, 11, 12, and we were in a really solid group where we were all pushing each other and that sort of thing. But getting to about 15, 16, I was having multiple injuries and I was struggling a little bit with my motivation and I've always really been into sport, always really enjoyed sport. And and I'd, I'd watch a lot of sport on TV and different sports. I know you guys have NFL, but we here in Australia have the rugby league. And, and, um, and you know, I watched that a lot and I love that. And I got to a point where I was like, I think I could be all right at that. And I wanted to switch over and, and try a bit of that. And so I definitely had thoughts where I was veering away. And I had period, periods, you know, when I was 18 where – uh, I was still training and uh, hard and that sort of thing, but I wasn't doing all the right things outside of, outside of the gym. You know, I wasn't, you know, I was, I was partying and I was doing different things. And um, so, yeah, I've definitely had, you know, p parts in my career growing up where I've just, where I've wanted to, you know, let it go or I've thought that I wasn't good enough or, you know, I was, I was discouraged in a certain way, but I just kept chipping away, <laughs> believe it or not. I just kept chipping away and, going at it and doing my best and um and you know sometimes you start to build momentum and it takes one day of one training session and things can turn around and then you can you know that's your starting point you can start to build momentum each day and and i talk about that a lot you know anyone can do anything as long as you you start with where you're at and you just build momentum each day no one's gonna you know rome wasn't built overnight right and uh, and it takes time. And if you just keep chipping away each day, things can turn around. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how I'm here. It all happened. But, um, but you know, a lot of ups and downs along the way and a lot of discouragements. But, uh, but yeah, I guess it all worked out in the end. Were you trying to find, like, anything to escape, like, training? Like, you mentioned partying and kind of having that discouragement. Were you just trying to keep your mind off of gymnastics or training in any way possible? Yeah, probably, especially because I felt like I was underperforming and I had, you know, I had injuries and I wasn't doing as, as, as well as what I wanted to. And I would probably find an outlet in, you know, in friends and parties and in being cool and looking cool and going through all those identity things as you grow up, you know, how cool am I, you know, with, you know, all, all your friends and things like that. And um, I would definitely say that was, that was definitely an aspect and, and an outlet that I would use to, um, to, to probably cope with the the underpar performances or the uh, the underpar growth that I was having in my gymnastics back then, and even getting to the realization, uh, it was actually when I was about sixteen, I got to the realization where I said, I don't actually think I can I can hit these goals that I want to in gymnastics. I don't I don't know if I can make the Olympics. And it was actually at sixteen where I was like, you know, my skill set in gymnastics is in somersaults, it's in twisting, it's in knowing where my body is while I'm flying through the air, that skill set is really suited to diving. And, you know, I could actually be a better diver. And I knew that at 16, but I was too afraid to switch at 16 because I was known as a gymnastics kid. Gymnastics was my life. It was my comfort zone. It was everything I'd known. And if I switched over, maybe, maybe I'd fail. Maybe things wouldn't work out. And I would, I, I, I was, willing to not take that risk and stay in my comfort zone and stay comfortable and stay small rather than trying to actually pursue what I was really talented at, you know, which is the, the somersault. And, and cause I had weaknesses in gymnastics as well. So yeah, crazy. <laughs> Did you, you talked about identity and how you were known as a gymnastics um, specialist. 
Did you also feel the pressure of having the support of your family and friends making that transition into diving? Yeah, uh, I get asked that a lot with the, the transition from gymnastics to diving. I think at that point, I actually made the transition at 22 years old, um, 27 now. So I've been diving for almost five years. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think my parents were a little bit worried because they, you know, not, not coming from a gymnastics background, they didn't know whether diving would work for me. They didn't, they, they had no idea. Right. Yeah. And they were a bit worried. Oh, you know, will, will it work out? And, and, you know, may, maybe you should stay in gymnastics. Cause at the time I had a scholarship at the Australian Institute of Sport, meaning that I was, you know, I was in the national team and I had, I had things going for me in gymnastics, but, but I felt that I could shoot better in diving and that I was willing to even give up that scholarship to, to, to just give it a go. So I wouldn't have any regrets. And my parents were a little bit worried. Um, and my girlfriend, was uh well she's my wife now but my girlfriend at the time she was uh she she was always supporting and everyone would generally support me and i think the people that were close to me really supported me and i think that's that's so important you know having that close support network and while people were like you know have you made sure you thought about this have you made sure it's a good decision they were still always going to support me and i'm really grateful that i had parents like that growing up because my dad would always say no matter what you want to do go for it you know don't you never have to stay in gymnastics, do what you love, you know, which I think was really helpful for me and probably helpful for me on this journey of this long journey of being an athlete for so many years. And, you know, now only just now hoping to, to make the Olympics next year. I, I think that that support really helped that helped me sort of, um, overcome and, and be resilient and remain on that journey. Whereas you get some other kids where their parents just push them and, they, their, their parents are living through them, right? And I think that can actually uh, have, have, have negative effects on them. I think those kids feel more, even more pressure and stress in a way because they don't want to let their parents down, but they kind of have to think what's best for them. And it kind of sounds from your story, you knew that you were always looking for that next challenge in a way or that next goal that you're wanting and yeah. made that transition. When you first got onto the platform or the diving board, what was going through your mind? Were you kind of like, maybe I should go back to gymnastics or I'm just going to do whatever I can and jump off that board? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think so. You know, I made that decision to transition to diving. I was, I was in a place in gymnastics where I'd given it a real red hot go. Um, and yeah, I was in the national team. I was in that Australian Institute of Sport group, but... I wasn't enjoying it. The love for it had gone away. Um, and yeah, so I thought, I, I, felt, I felt like, you know, I was ready to take on diving. And I was actually walked into my first training session, having never done any diving before, willing to just take it on and do anything that I needed to do. You know, I literally said to myself, whatever, whatever my coach says, I'm just going to try and do exactly what he says. If he tells me, you know, to do this thing that I'm really scared of and to do this new dive, I'm just going to do it because he knows more than about, you know, he knows much more about diving than I do. Um, so I just said to myself, I'm just going to forget everything. I know nothing. And I'm just going to go into this really motivated and wanting to make it work. So uh, to answer your question, I never really had doubts or like, I never really wanted to go back to gymnastics at any point. As soon as I started diving, I was motivated to make it work because I, I could see that I had, I, I could potentially be okay at it. I had some sort of talent in, in the diving area. 
Um, but then even after the first day, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to get this going. I want to prove to people that I can actually make something of this. Did you kind of find some similarities in the training process between the two sports that kind of helped you prepare yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in gymnastics, we're training basically every morning without, with the exception of one or two mornings a week and every afternoon with the exception of the weekends. And it's very similar in diving. So in regards to the, the, the training routine and the training structure of morning session and then afternoon session, and morning session, afternoon session like that, uh, I was really prepared for that and I was ready. My body was really ready to, to, to handle that. Um, and I think generally my, my strength was really good in, from being a gymnast, you know, you have to be strong. Um, and, but in diving, so I just really, like I had the strength and I had the skills to be okay. I just needed to work on the technique and work on the dives and keep at it and keep focused. So I think I was prepared, um, to, to make it work. It was, it was already in there for me to, to just do my best at it and give it my best shot. And that was my attitude. Just give it your best and then you'll have no regrets. Did you ever have the thought of fear and in injuries as in gymnastics, you're landing on a crash pad in diving, you're landing in water and you know, when yeah. you belly flop or land different wrong, it hurts a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was, um, I was always a little bit worried and I didn't really understand. I was worried about, you know, flopping and landing on my stomach on my back and I didn't know the process. I didn't understand that you know, when we'd go in, they'd start us off on one meter and we'd do that like a million times before we move up to three meter and a million times. And it's just, they just do this building block. So that by the time you get up to 10 meter, you're ready. Um, but I was definitely a little bit worried about splatting and, and hurting myself. But at the same time, like uh, it didn't bother me too much because I was very, I was always very fearless. And um, with gymnastics as well, I was always willing to to throw it on the line and to give it a go and to try new things. And uh, and I was used to dealing with that, with that fear and, and, um, de and dealing with getting out of my comfort zone in order to handle that. And often what I say about my first year of diving is I say that that year was just a year of firsts. Because what I mean by that, it was like my first time doing this dive and this dive and this dive and the amount of dives that I did that was, that was a first time doing that dive. And every time you do a new dive for the first time, it's scary. So it was like every day I was just getting out of my comfort zone and pushing myself and, um, and getting scared and just you know, going. So yeah, it, it's always in the back of your mind, but I, I was very confident in the technique of the coaches and what they were helping me with. And, and everyone around me was, was diving and splatting here and there. And I thought, this is, you know, I, I'm in my element here. This is fine. <laughs> I think you kind of have to have that in like trying a new sport, have that fearless mindset, because if you do kind of get scared, it does affect your performance in a way. And especially in a sport like diving, where one millisecond can change the whole outcome of what yeah, absolutely. That dive. What, yeah. You talked about identity as a gymnastics. Do you now have that identity as you're a diver? Or has it kind of been breaking the mold in a way where people view you more as Declan, not Declan the diver? Yeah, I'd definitely like to think that I mean, I don't know how people perceive me really, but I would like to think that people see me as Declan as the human being, because that's what I'm really big on and passionate about. Um, I, just to tell you a little bit about my journey of how this all came about. I, um, 
became a born again Christian myself. And uh, at about, I think 20 years old, I, I made that decision that I wanted to, to follow that, that lifestyle. And it was a big difference between when I was a party boy and, you know, when I would, I would train hard, but then I would play hard and things like that. But then, you know, come 20 years old, I made this decision. I wanted to, like, you know, God was the center of my life. And, and, I, and I said to myself, my identity doesn't come from any, any sport, any flips, any somersaults, any gymnastics. Um, this is who I am. And I realized that I had value. I sort of always knew it in the back of my mind. But, but now what I realized is that my value was in the fact that I am a human being. And, and that I'm, I'm valuable because I am a human rather than I'm valuable because of a performance or I'm valuable because of what I do. And that's what I like to speak on as well, that, you know, it's so dangerous when people start to create their value and their identity based on how good they are at something or based on their job or based on what they do. Because as soon as performance goes down, then your mental health goes down or your identity goes down, you feel sad. So it's really important to get that, find that outlet of your own meaning and your own purpose and who you are and cling to that. And, and I see that as, as the anchor that anchors you down, that when the winds, of, the winds and waves of life come and rock your boat, you know, you've got that anchor there that'll, that'll keep you strong. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of my story. And, and diving, I, I think diving is a very big part of my life. It's what I do every day. Um, and when I'm at training, I work hard. I've, I'm focused. I want to, I want to get better because I love it and it's, and I've got goals and I want to achieve them. But once I finish my session, I just, I let it go. I forget about it. I just drive home. I'm with family. I'm with my wife that night. Um, whatever happened, whether it was good or bad, you know, just put it to the side and, and, and keep going. That's sort of my attitude. And, and that's, that's my identity now. It's not in anything. It's just in who I am as a, as a person. I think a lot of people, I know I've had the same struggle where anything that's happened to, to me during the eight to five job, I kind of bring it home with me. And it's kind of like, you got to kind of leave it at the door when you walk in because life go, keeps going like yeah. you know can wait until the next day so that's been something i've been challenging myself and i've gotten a lot better that's but good i've had those yeah. moments would you say your mental health has increased positively with diving and uh your found of christianity yeah absolutely absolutely uh to be complete like to be fairly honest my my mental health state was never um, I was never like a, I was always pretty positive kid, really happy. Um, I, I was, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of people out there that are genuinely struggling and, and that's a real thing. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's awful, but for me, I've definitely had my, my issues with identity and how I see myself and view myself. Um, but I, I guess I'm lucky in the sense that that, that train of thought or that belief system that I had have never actually led me down that path of depression or, you know, really ill mental health or anything like that. But yeah. So, um, I definitely think that having that anchor in my life, having, you know, my meaning and my purpose and, and my value being higher than, uh, than any performance or any, anything, uh, definitely helps me. Definitely, uh, definitely helps me be, be positive when things are hard and, and, and it definitely has a very positive effect on, on how I see myself and on my general mental health. And I think diving in general, my, you know, my coaches are really supportive and um, they're, they're Mexican and they just love that. They're, 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 they're very successful diving coaches and, 
Uh, they've been around the sport for a very long time and, and they know how to train athletes and they're, they're not too pushy. They, they get the athletes to a point where they're so happy being in the training environment that they want to train. They want to push themselves. And I really respect that. So, you know, the, I push myself. I, I you know, I, I do everything that I can each training session. And, um, and yeah, I, I just love the sport and I love diving. And, um, and when things get hard, I've got that outlet as well and got my wife and people around me. So definitely got good, good places around me that help my mental health and, and safe to say that it's in a positive way. Something that I've seen you talk about is passion. And you can definitely tell you have the passion for what you're doing right now. And as you're smiling, and that's, that's important, is people need to find something that they're passionate about. And that each day when they wake up, they're excited to go try it out yeah. or do it. What would that's you right. say, as a diver, your like signature skill or event is? Is it like a platform, springboard, duos? Yeah. I don't know all the, the different events. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I was about to I was about to ask what your sort of background is, but but uh, we'll we'll keep to the the content or the structure of the of the podcast. But um, but yeah, the ten meter platform is is the only one that I compete, so I don't compete any springboard. And I think starting the sport so late, I've always struggled finding the rhythm of the springboard. When I first started, I thought it was like a trampoline. I'm like, oh, this is easy. It's just like trampoline. <laughs> But it's finding that rhythm on the springboard is actually quite challenging. And that's what I've, I've struggled with. So definitely the 10 meter platform is my event. Um, but specifically over the last few years, I've probably specified a little bit more in the synchronized 10 meter platform with my synchro partner, Dominique Bedgood, who's based up in Brisbane. And, um, and yeah, we've had some, some results together and some experiences and, and our focus together is to really try and qualify that spot for Tokyo 2021. How has your guys' communication when you're up there performing the dive? I know that people know that if you're off a second, you don't, it's not synchronized in a way. So how important has your guys' communication has grown over time? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think for us, we do like a million somersaults in the dry land. When I say a million, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, but it's, you know, obviously you have to do a lot of repetition and, uh, and, and in the dry land, meaning that it's just we're just next to each other and we're just jumping without any diving boards or anything like that. So we're practicing the timing of the jumps a lot so that by the time we get up there, we're hoping that it's just second nature. Um, but, but when we actually are competing and we get on that 10-meter platform, we usually have our routine that we follow. Uh, we get out into onto the 10-meter platform and we usually get ready and get relaxed and we fist pump each other. And then we're standing there and then he says, when the, when the buzzer goes, he says walk. So we just walk together and then we turn and we just try and we follow the routine that we do in training every time. And we've got little hand gestures. So, so he counts and I listen. Um, so he'll say one, two, three, go. And I just have to, you know, go at the right time when he says it. And, uh, and we have little arm movements that help us that, that we can see in, in our peripherals and we sort of follow the arm movements so that we can be in sync. What's been your favorite accomplishment so far with diving? Sorry, Alex, can you hear that blender in the background? Did you want me to... No, I didn't hear anything. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Right, keep going. I've just got a, a blender going on here. <laughs> You're good. What's been your favorite accomplishment so far with diving? Favorite accomplishment? Probably... Oh, I guess I would definitely say the, the bronze medal at the World Cup. Where, where my synchro partner and I got third there. 
uh, in 2018. That was really special because it was uh, previously a few months before that we got we we medaled at the Commonwealth Games, which was exciting because it was in uh, it was a home Commonwealth Games for us. It was on the Gold Coast, and uh, and that was really exciting for us. And Gold Coast is Dom, my synchro partner's hometown, where he was born and raised. Um, and and that was pretty special, you know. Com, you know, especially after 2014, where I fractured my foot, I couldn't make the Commonwealth Games in gymnastics. Four years later, I'm now a diver, and I make the team as a diver. And then to get a medal in the synchronized event, that was really special. But the thing that made that not as special is that we didn't perform our best. Uh, and you know, maybe if we we, we we missed a few things, and we, we were still grateful that we got a medal. But there's just something in us that was like we could have done that a little bit better. Um, but that World Cup event, we were now against the Chinese, the Russians, the, you know, as you know, it's, it's a world event. And to get that medal there was pretty special for us. And, and that set us up to compete at the World Series a year later and things like that. And I guess that established us as a synchronized team. So I thought, yeah, that was, that's probably a highlight for me. Through your athletic career, what has been the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Oh, wow. That is a cool question. That's something that I feel like I need a, a few more, a few minutes to think about. But let me think. Um, <laughs> we dive deep in the show. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. I don't know. What, what have I learned the most about myself? I'd probably say that um, I've definitely learned that I have this like such a focus and a drive. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, every time I get to the pool or the gym when I was in gymnastics, I'd just be like, I'd set my goals for the session and I just really want to want to achieve that. And I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that was my dad. My dad was, you know, he was very sort of driven guy. And, um, and, and I don't know if, so I guess I've learned that about myself, but um, I've also learned that you know, you can have doubts and I've had doubts throughout my whole career. I've had, you know, times where I've second guessed myself or I've, you know, I've worried about different things or, you know, I've underperformed in different places, but, um, but I've sort of still been able to come out the other side. So I, I, I don't know. I think that, I think I, I, I feel like I would need like an hour to just sit down and process all the different things. That's probably something I should do. Um, you know, you know, you get to the end of your career and you don't really stop and reflect because it just keeps going. There's just the next event that you keep going for. And I think, um, your question has brought a thought provoking thing in me that makes me want to go, makes me want to sort of sit down and reflect and work out what that, what that actually is. But, uh, all I know is that throughout my whole journey from when I didn't know what gymnastics was to now, uh, I've learned a hell of a lot. <laughs> I think that's definitely important. I think for me. I always do like a reflection after like three months on any project or anything I'm doing to see, am I continuing doing what I want to do? Am I yeah, accomplishing wow. those goals? I kind of use this podcast as an example. It's when I started, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to talk to anyone. No one yeah. would want to be on the show. And I've gotten people that I've looked up to, amazing people internationally, and it's been the greatest experience. And I always look at wow. what's next for me. Like, yeah. I'm always thinking about goals and stuff. That's so, so good. So talk about keynote speaking. How did you get involved in that? And what's the mission you try to bring to the individuals that listen to your speeches? Yeah, awesome. Um, so keynote speaking probably started when I was actually down at the Australian Institute of Sport in gymnastics. Um, when I was down there, they gave us some opportunities to start speaking and 
do some some things in front of groups and things like that. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh, you know, I was so nervous. But the pay was okay. So I thought, oh, you know, it's I better do it. I better give it a go. And then and then I started to realize that I actually, while it is nerve-wracking, it is very similar to performing as an athlete in the sense that I'm standing up front and I've got to perform uh, in that moment. And I and I I really enjoy that adrenaline rush and that feeling of performance and standing up and, and getting that done and I thought so that was the beginning at the Australian Institute of Sport and then uh, then I moved into diving and I was at the New South Wales Institute of Sport and I didn't do it for uh, I didn't really do it at the start but then once I started to get a little bit of success after the short time of being a diver um, I started to get some opportunities through the New South Wales Institute of Sport which is like uh, which is like the government-based system the institute that we're, that, that's in my city um, and then, and then I started to enjoy it more and I could talk about my story, my story of transitioning from gymnastics to diving and building on that. Um, and I think, and then things started to develop from there and then I started to get some of my own gigs and, um, and, and get my, you know, get my name out a little bit and get the word out and things like that. So, uh, and, and then things have rolled on from there. And now I'm a part of a few different programs, one with the Australian Olympic committee, where we, we go and speak to schools, uh, speak to kids in schools in, in year nine. And we specifically speak about them unleashing their passion and unlocking their potential. And, and you know, we try and encourage the kids to uh, work out what it is they love. It doesn't have to be sport, but we use sport as an example for us. You know, work out what do you love? What do you want to do? And, and follow that and go after that and work out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And, you know, stick to your strengths and work on your weaknesses and all different things like that. So, uh, and, and then I'm also a part of a, I'm a mental health ambassador as well. So I stand up for some of the programs and the, the companies that we have in Australia regarding mental health and overcoming mental health. And I, I talk a lot about my identity and some of the things we've spoken about today. And, and I also speak in schools and things like that. So there's a few different outlets that I, that I am I'm involved with at the moment. Um, but I would probably say my, my main overall message to sum up all of my talk topics, because there's a, there's a bunch of different topics that I can speak on, but to sum it all up, it's generally to help people just achieve and become the best version of themselves, which is so cliche and so, um, so it's such a universal thing to say, but, um, you know, cause it can just, that can just mean anything, right? But at, at the end of the day, I want to help people, you know, achieve their best and be the best that they can in their work or in their, you know, or being an athlete or whatever they do. Um, but not only help their performance and their, their, their mindset behind that, but also help them as people and their identity and who they are and help them understand their value. And so there's a lot of, a lot of different things there, but generally I love people. I want to help people. <laughs> I love that line that you brought up, become the greatest version of yourself. Cause that actual line has a big importance in my life as I was a member of a fraternity and our tagline was become the greatest version of ourselves. And so I love that. Each day, I'm always in that line speaks to identity, and it's kind of like that personal identity. What do we want people to view us as besides yeah. what we're known for? Like, I always say, I want people to think of different characteristics about me, different yeah. passions, paths I've taken. And yeah, we, we have the power to control what that looks like, and it's all about what do we do to make that happen. And I think this the topics you guys you talk about, I think it's important at the age range that you guys focus on because that's when the biggest impact happens. I know high yeah. school, it was always about 
what do you want to do when you grow up? And people yeah. put in all these great answers, but how are they going to get there? Are they going to follow That's their right. dreams and stuff? So I think what you guys are doing is amazing and you guys are targeting the right age range. I know it's, yeah. I'm trying, I always have to say, what was year nine in Australia? So <laughs> you guys are doing a great job with what you guys are doing. No, thank you. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, like it's so unique to, to anyone. It, it can be, it can be so unique. What I speak to someone can be polar opposite to the person next to them um, in, in, in what's resonating within them. And that's why it's about become the best version of yourself. What do you love? What are you good at? What's your passions? Um, you know, cause I, I always say like, we've all got strengths and weaknesses. We've all got things that we're good at and we've all got things that we're, we're average at, but that's okay. Like we don't, we're not all meant to be good at everything. So, you know, use what you're good at and just, and, and trailblaze it and go after it and, and fall in love with it and find your passion. And yeah, so no, nah, it's good. I think the important thing with the show is a lot of times when I'm reaching out to someone, I only know what's on a piece of paper or how we met through LinkedIn. I only know what based on your bio, but when we're able to talk to each other, we learn so much more about the person yeah. and their journey that basically I can view you as completely different than what you are as a diver. So that's yeah. the part is you are able to share your journey and your story and it kind of breaks that mold in a way. Are there any opportunities that kind of been take, not taken away, but didn't happen because of what's going on in the world right now? Yeah. Um, well, it, it, I guess taken away in the, in the sense of I didn't, they didn't get booked in. Right. So, um, so there was, it's not like there was anything specifically booked in that I had to cancel or anything like that, but but yeah, definitely I didn't get as many speaking opportunities um, this year. And the opportunities that I did get were all virtual, which I don't enjoy as much. I definitely enjoy being there face to face and being up the front and, and engaging the audience and trying to, trying to grab their attention and that performance sort of thing. Um, but virtual is still good. And, and I think it's the way of the world, right? The way that we're moving with technology and you've got to get good at, at, uh, at speaking online as well, which I'm, which I'm you know, sort of learning now. But, um, but yeah, definitely didn't get to do as much speaking this year. But I think when COVID hit for us, and I know it's really bad over there in the States, and I'd actually love to ask you about that, how it's all going with you guys and what are the precautions right now? Because in Australia, I think we, I, I, I don't particularly go out of my way to watch the news, if I'm honest, but uh, from my understanding, we haven't had a case in the last week, I think, in like... Uh, may, may, actually, I could actually be wrong. I'm not 100% sure. It's like at least in the last 20, 24, 48 hours. But I thought I read somewhere that we haven't had one case in the last week. So we're doing really well down here. Um, and I know it's pretty bad over there. But yeah, um, just trying to think of where I was going with that. I think I got a bit sidetracked with COVID. Uh, but yeah, what, what, how's it all going with you guys? And what, what are the precautions and, and how many cases are going on at the moment? I wish I could give a good answer and say you're like what's going on with Australian numbers, but it's it's hard out here because a lot of time it's the mindset that people have and do they believe what they hear online? And that's the hard thing with social media and the news is they're not giving us the full answer. So people are just taking it how they are. The numbers yeah. could be a lot better. Um, when I in March, I was actually furloughed for my company, and that's how the podcast started. 
I always viewed that the pandemic was a great, not a great thing, but it gave me an opportunity to look at myself and say, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to be, keep doing and keep yourself busy? And the whole conversation of doing these interviews kept me busy and I enjoy every single day that I do it. But it's kind of like, we kind of miss out on the stuff that like sporting events, no one can go to the events. And it kind of, like you said, you like to be in person doing the speaking engagements. We all rather be in the stadiums and cheering. And some stadiums like uh, NFL football has been getting like 25% capacity and stuff. But yeah. I think the power that we all have is if we all form together and work with each other, we'll be yeah. able to beat this. And I think with yeah. the divide and everything that's going on, that's the hard part right now is because sure. we're battling each other and we're getting nowhere. And I think yeah. this is the time where we all have to come together. Even as a world, we can yeah. all beat this. We have to stay positive. And I think yeah. mindset and mental health is a big thing that's going on during this time. And yeah. I always look at stay positive. It's going yeah. to get better. And I've had those times where I'm like, okay, am I going to still have a job? Am I going to still be doing yeah. what I love doing? But I've stayed positive and I continue to, everything keeps getting better. So. That's, I, I love that. Uh, and, and it's great that you've started this podcast, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, there's so many opportunities that can come out of weird times like we've all faced this year. And good on you for, for jumping on board and for getting people and for, you know, for sending a, a positive message out into the world. Because right now there's heaps of negativity, and especially over over where you are now with the, um, the Trump Biden thing. And, <laughs> and I won't dive into politics, but I'm sure that it's, it's, uh, there's, it's almost it, from, from where we are here, it almost sounds like there's like a civil war going on over there. So I hope you guys are okay. And I agree, we need to come together and, and, and unite. And, uh, and I think, you know, you're, you're an example of that with what you're doing. So good on you, man. Thank you. You mentioned this earlier, how you were training for Tokyo 22 Olympics. 2020, I don't know where, to, I'm years ahead now. 2020, <laughs> 2020 Olympics. Was it yeah. hard when it got postponed for all the training that you were doing, but now you kind of use it in a positive way to get even better and train even harder for 2021? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> it was crazy at the time. Uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the backdrop. So I was, I was uh, in, I went to Canada for the World Series in, I think it was February. And when we were over there, our high performance manager mentioned that, you know, the, the COVID, the coronavirus is happening and it's getting, you know, there's cases and the, and we're all like, oh, what's this thing? What's going on? And he said, look, the Olympics could even be canceled. And I was like, what? Like, that was just the most, it's just the most outrageous statement, like, as if. And then we get back to Australia after that competition and we were meant to go to Russia uh, a few weeks later and then London the week after that. And Russia got cancelled. And I was like, oh, like I got back and I was just focused and training for Russia. And then it got cancelled. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, be positive. Like, let's keep going. We've got London the week after. Let's just make that happen. And then London got cancelled about a week later. And then I found myself rocking up to training with no purpose. I was like, what am I training for? Like all these events are canceled. I don't know when the next time I'm going to compete is. And then I don't know how long after, maybe a week after or something like that. I get a call from my coach saying we were training. We were training in the meantime, but I was just discouraged and I was struggling with motivation. 
I got a call from my coach one day and he said, the Olympics is officially postponed. Um, it's going to, it's going to be next year. Or they're going to try and make it in 2021 right now. Just spend three weeks at home and just chill out. Don't train, enjoy yourself. This is your, your off season now. And then after those three weeks, we're going to send some equipment to you and you're going to, you're going to, you know, start doing some exercises at home. So for me, that call that I got was actually, while it was devastating that it was the reality of it, it was really relieving for me because I was in this place where everything was really uncertain. I didn't know when my next competition was. I didn't know why I was training. And the uncertainty of whether the Olympics was happening or not was crippling me more than anything. And then when I got the call, it's official, it's not happening. I felt like a weight off my shoulders. Okay, I can, I have some direction. I know where I'm going now. I'm just going to chill out. And I made a conscious decision in that time. I said, look, there's nothing I can do. I can't control this. So I'm just going to enjoy time with my family. I'm going to lap up this three weeks and I'll probably never have again, you know, and just enjoy it. Have fun, relax, be at home, you know, uh, where, where my wife and I are living with her family at the moment. Um, and we've had some really good times there. And I just thought, I'm just going to enjoy that. And then afterwards we slowly crept back into training at home and then eventually the pools opened up and fortunately enough, uh, the coronavirus has been contained pretty well down here. So, you know, got back in the pools in about May or something like that and just basically been training ever since. And my motivation's really good. I'm really, really pumped up. I'm back on 10 meter because uh, as a process, when you have time off, you need to build back up to diving off the 10 meter. So uh, back up there now and, and, um, and motivated in each training session and trying to be the best that I can be for next year. And I'm trying not to focus on any outcome or result for 2021 because we still need to qualify. Um, but I'm just trying to focus on each training session and, and get the most out of each day that I can, uh, which is what I talk about building momentum and, and just doing the best we can. And if those small wins that you get every day, those little tiny wins, they accumulate and add up to that big goal and that big win at the end. So that's my goal. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to focus on now. And, and, uh, and I'm enjoying it, I'm enjoying the process and the journey. So what does the future look like for you besides training for the Olympics? What do you want to hopefully accomplish professionally and personally? Yeah, I, um, I, so outside of the Olympics, um, I would love to uh, be a, a full-time speaker. Uh, I would love to be able to fill, uh, you know, I actually really, I'm really passionate about workshops and being able to do like a full day of, of educating people, uh, you know, educating people on different things such as mindset, psychology, goal setting, resilience, uh, overcoming obstacles, motivation, all, all things like that. Um, in COVID, I, I thought about studying uh, some, something to do with psychology so where I can sort of uh, you know, bring together the psychological component and the athletic stuff. But, uh, but at the moment, I actually felt like it's better for me to just focus on what I'm doing and not overwork myself because uh, I'm really big in the past. I've, I've done too much and, and it's just, it makes you, you, you get burnt out. So I'm trying to pace myself and just do what I can now. So uh, apart from that though, I, uh, I have a, a ministry diploma and, uh, and I, uh, I don't know if I'm actually going to get into full-time ministry, uh, but that is definitely an avenue that I may take. And I think if I do you know, actually enter into ministry officially, or if I don't, I think something to do with that will have some impact on my life, on, on what I do. I'm going to do something to do with 
helping people and and uh, and Christianity and and leading people towards God and that sort of thing. So that's definitely a plan for me there. Um, but we love workshops and love the idea of getting into companies and getting into the corporate setting and actually help people be better, achieve more, and uh, and do that sort of thing. So it's a little bit vague at the moment, but I think the pieces will all sort of come together when the time's right, and and that's what I believe. I, I trust that it will work out. <laughs> You're talking about becoming full-time and something outside of diving. Have you had that conversation with yourself? Like how much longer I want to be competing or are you at that prime age where there's still a lot left for you to accomplish? Yeah, well, I started diving at 22 and I'm 27 now. So I'm definitely on the outer age where I'm, you know, I want to, my, definitely my focus is this is, sorry, next year's Olympics. That's what I want to achieve. And, um, and I think after that, I don't want to go and say that I'll finish after that or I'll keep going. I think I'm just going to see how my body's feeling, see how I'm feeling as a person. Um, I'm really grateful that I've got, you know, my wife and family around me that, that, that'll help me in that time. And I understand the transition period from being an elite athlete for all these years to full-time work is a little bit of a different, it's, it's going to, it will probably be challenging for me, but um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep going into 2022 and, and, you know, we've got the Commonwealth games and the world championships in that year. So that may be a good one to finish on, but de I definitely don't think that I'll be going for till the next Olympic games, maybe next year's Olympics, maybe the year after. And then I think I'll call it a day. I've been an athlete for a lot of years and I think I've got a, a, a lot to give in the world outside of being an athlete. And, and I think I can get to the end of the day and, and sit back and think, you know what? I gave it my best shot, no regrets. Let's move on and, and give something else a go. So that's that's my plan. You know, you're gonna look back at this interview and when I see you in the, not the next Olympics, but the following one, I'm gonna be like, you know, you told me you weren't going to be at the conversation, but I think it's one of those is you can never say never. Like you just, you just don't know. It's one of those things. Justin Bieber, never I, say never. I know that I'm not a fan of his, but that line <laughs> is still a good line in a way. Yeah, it is a good line. Never say no. That's right. You know your body better than anyone, and you know how much farther you can go. And a lot of us, I mean, you'll have the, you'll have that support system. You got a support system to me now because I'm, I'm going to be watching and be like, ah, you better win that goal. Thanks, man. Yeah, you'll be watching the U.S. guys as well, and you'll be like, ooh, who do I back? No, I'm joking. I'm cheering for Australians, but, but yeah. I met him already, so I want yeah. to cheer for him. The final question I'll ask you, based on your journey and experience, for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome their obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to their challenge? Love it. How good. I love the title of your podcast, uh, Rise to the Challenge. I think the most important thing is that in life you, um, you, you, you pursue your value system, what you value, what you're, you know, who you are as a person. And from there you make decisions that's best for you and not for anyone else around you. And I'm really big on that because my decision to switch from gymnastics to diving at 22 years old seemed crazy to a lot of people. Um, but it was the best decision that I could have made as an athlete. And it, it, it unlocked so many more opportunities for me and, I don't think I'd be, I probably wouldn't be speaking to you today if I hadn't done that. So definitely for me would be, you know, weigh up your strengths and weaknesses, follow your passion and make decisions and back yourself with those decisions. Don't be afraid of decision-making. Don't be afraid of, um, of trying something and failing and, and, you know, 
never never let failure and fear be uh, be uh, uh, your indicator or, or where you lead or where you want to go you know don't let those things lead you um yeah make decisions that best for yourself back yourself and go after it and 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 give things a go and if it doesn't work out that's okay and one final line that i'll say that i say a lot especially in these presentations is that um every single successful person that's ever lived have failed time and time again and and really the only difference is that they learn from their mistakes and make your decisions and fail but but just learn from it and and be okay with failure be okay with what you do build that healthy relationship with it and then once you learn from it you'll you know you'll keep moving forward you'll become more resilient you'll be the best that you can possibly be and you'll be building momentum each day and that's all you can ask you know put put yourself out each day and do the best you can so that's my message I think when people look at their favorite companies and they think about the CEOs and they failed so many times to get to where they are today and yeah. learn from their mistakes and they yes. have basically rise to the challenge to get to yeah. where they are. And I think that's the biggest thing that people can take from any conversation is you have to take those risks sometimes. You can't take the easy route because that's right. failure, you learn so much about you. And plus, yeah. if you fail, you kind of see where you might be good at something. You might just have to tweak it in a way. And I come from athlete, um, education, business world. We all go through the yeah. same thing. It's just different tasks that we do. So definitely failure or going through failure is definitely something that people can learn. 100%. 100%. That's right. Go for it. Be okay to fail. <laughs> well, Declan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. We all have learned so much and you inspire so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much, Alex. Really appreciate that. And thank you for all that you do and uh, all the best. Take care. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio podcast platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.